right. Okay, welcome back. How was the stretch break? Did you stretch? <laughs> well, we praise God. You know, it was, it's so neat when we come here. You come on a Sunday anymore, and, and there's always something new, right? New seating arrangement, right? It's hard even for, to look out there and see some of you because you're in different seats. So um, the new, and we have new doors now. Did you notice that this morning? New doors, you like the new doors? Yeah, we got a new door, but we have the same door to heaven, right? Still the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. And uh, we got new light, a new light out here, new sign, right? You like that? Yeah. And so we still have the same signs from God that point to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we got the new and we got the old. And so maybe to this morning that in our hearts we're new, we're, we're, there's some new things that God's doing, amen? We hope so. So once again, we miss Paul and Deborah and we miss uh, Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan will be back next week. He has two more weeks to finish the series on spirituality that he's been doing. I, and just, um, I'm very biased, but I, I've heard so many good things, so much feedback positive feedback about what God is doing through that series, and we praise God for that, and uh, thank the Lord for it. And a lot of us are doing the 40-day prayer adventure. Are you doing that with the book? We're about halfway done, right? Did you realize that? I, and I, again, I hear a lot of really good feedback about what God is doing in stirring up prayer in our lives. So if you're in that, uh, it's half done, don't quit. You know, keep it up and, and finish it up. We're, we're doing it. You know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. And that's the theme of that little book. And, and so uh, you might, if you've been in the Lord for a long time and you come to churches, you probably have heard a lot of messages on prayer. And, and you'll probably hear a lot more <laughs> on prayer, you know. And so, but the Bible says pray without ceasing. So that means you teach about prayer without ceasing, <laughs> Right? And, and that's what we need to do. We need to keep stirring the pot on that. And we're thankful for that. So, uh, but you know, in addition to that, we live in a time and in a day uh, which is just crazy all around the world. And we've talked about it already and prayed about it. Uh, but Levi Hazen, who is the director of Life and the Messiah, Levi was here with us when we did the uh, Seder Supper last Easter time. And uh, he, he was the one, he's the one leading this upcoming trip to Israel. Uh, but Levi, he's, he sent out this email at the beginning of things there. And I just wanted to mention a little bit of it. He said, it says, Shalom, David. Our hearts are heavy as we continue to learn of massacres carried out by Hamas against the Jewish people. As of this writing, and that, this again was right at the beginning, Hamas continues to fire rockets into Israel hold hostages, and revel in violent ideology. The loss of innocent lives grieves us deeply, as does the indelible impact on those who survive. Surely the earth itself groans with the sufferings of the world. Our prayer and hope is that Hamas, an organization dedicated to the Jewish people's destruction and removal from their God-given land, will be dismantled. We also pray for God to bring people, Jewish and Gentile, to faith during these terrible circumstances. 
God alone can replace turmoil with peace, hatred with compassion, enmity with love. Pray with us that in this dark hour, Israelis and Palestinians alike will seek and find the living God. Amen. Amen. So that was from Levi. So we read this in in its sobering times, isn't it? But we realize that if you've been a follower of Christ for very long, this is not the first time that this has happened in an attack against Israel. Amen? And it's not going to be the last time. We know that from Bible prophecy. Israel has declared war against Hamas because Hamas has been at war with Israel. But the real war today that we are all dealing with is a spiritual war. And it's a war that's been going on since the beginning of time in the heavenly places. And it's a war between God and Satan. It's a heavenly war. But praise the Lord, God has given us a wartime weapon. And that weapon is prayer. Amen. And this morning, we'd like to think a little bit about a special kind of praying that God wants us to do. Amen. So the title of this message that I've put down is for me, you know, to me. Pray like God means it. Amen. Pray like God really means it. You think God really means it? He does, doesn't he? So a couple of verses we want to read at the beginning. Very familiar. You, many of you probably have them memorized. But I'd invite you to take your Bibles and find it with me or your phone or whatever you use. If you've memorized it, you're, you're way ahead of the rest of us. John 14, verses 13 and 14 is the first one. John 14, 13 and 14. And since we're just going to read a couple of verses here, would you be willing to stand as we read the Word of God together? John 14, 13 and 14. This, of course, is part of a section in which the Lord Jesus himself is speaking to his disciples. And he says in verse 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name. And what does he say? And I will do it. What a fantastic promise. Amen? Great verse, isn't it? The second one is in the book of Hebrews. If you can find your place to Hebrews, toward, more toward the back of the New Testament. The book of Hebrews, chapter 4. A very, very familiar passage there. And also a promise that goes hand in hand with the one that we just read. Hebrews 4, and I think I said verse 12, I meant verse 16, the end of the chapter. Everybody with us? Hebrews 4, verse 16. The Word of God. Let us then approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence. Some versions say boldness. With confidence or boldness. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen? Amen. And all God's people say amen on that because this is the word of God. So we praise God. Thank you. You can be seated there. Great verses, great verses. A couple of questions just to start us off. I don't know if you've ever thought this way, but I, I've, 
I'm just like you. I have questions at times about praying when I think of praying. You know, how can I be sure I'm praying accept, acceptably to God? You ever thought that way? Uh, and, and Oswald Chambers says it this way. Uh, sometimes when we pray, we act like we're an employee asking God for a raise. How is my relationship to God different than an employee asking God for a raise? And so pray like you mean it. And what we're really talking about here is praying with authority. Amen? Praying with boldness and authority or confidence like what we read there. So here's a true story. Let me tell you about Grandma Rice. This is true. An elderly lady, we're calling her Grandma Rice. She learned this lesson some years ago in Indiana. And she tells it this way. She says, the prayingest prayer I ever did pray was standing on my head in a well. I was cutting across a field to pick wild blueberries to make jelly. I stepped on the rotten wooden cover of an old open well. The board snapped and I pitched headlong into the dark water below. As I struck the water, I realized, remembering and feeling total panic. I couldn't tra- swim or I couldn't tread water. And I prayed, and I prayed just one word, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, in the next field, there was a man plowing a cornfield. And here's the story he told. He said, I've been plowing for a half an hour or so, and I heard these words, turn off the motor. There's no one around. I thought I was imagining things. But then again, it came an inner voice that said, turn off the motor now. And so I turned it off. And when I did, I heard a splash and a muffled cry. And I ran toward the sound, saw the well. I grabbed an old rope lying there, and I put it down there, and I lowered it down. And there was a girl down there, and she had fallen into the water. And she came up. She grabbed the rope. She came up choking and coughing. And she was saved, and I was able able to pull her in. We call her Grandma Rice. Grandma Rice had it right. She learned a secret, right? And what was the secret? How to pray with authority. How to pray like God means it. How to pray in the name of Jesus. Wow, pretty good, right? That's pretty good. So I'm forgetting about this. What we want to do in this study today is just sort of jump into a few brief things. Because I know a lot of this you already know. If you've known the Lord for a while, prayer. We believe in prayer, right? That's a real thing. It really is. But there might be, there just might be for some of us, a missing ingredient in our prayer life that maybe this particular topic will unlock for you or me. Praying with authority. So here's another serious question for you. If you could picture yourself as you're praying, okay, so if you could be outside your house, outside your window, looking in at yourself as you pray, what would you see? What would it look like? Do you come to God like you're a beggar? Or do you come to God as a son and daughter of God through faith in Jesus Christ? When you pray, are you inwardly thinking, God's really not that interested in me and what I say? Are you coming to God reluctantly? Or are you coming to God 
quickly with openness and confidence. Do you think that God is a mocking, stingy God? Or do you see God as a generous, loving, powerful God? Good questions. Do you ever think to yourself, and that's just for each of us between God and ourselves to answer, do I ever think to myself, what right do I have to approach God about anything? I've been there too. Listen to Billy Graham. He said, very few of us have learned how to fully develop the power of prayer. We have not yet learned that a man is more powerful when he's at prayer than when he is in control of the most powerful military weapons we have ever developed. Wow. Tell that to a government. (laughs) Tell that to a government. Billy Graham. So this morning... Just as we think about these things, again, and I realize not brand new, probably not new stuff, but there's just three things that we want to touch on briefly. The first one is how God's work is hindered. The second one is how believers have a secret weapon. And the third one is how believers can pray with authority. Amen, you with me? How God's work is hindered, number one. Do you believe God's work is hindered? Do you believe it can be hindered? Do you believe that it gets hindered a lot? Well, many of us would understand that that definitely is the case, that it is hindered. And there's a lot of answers to that, but but just to take a brief side trail for us for a few minutes here, I'd like to suggest one of the main causes and reasons that God's work is hindered today. And it's something the Bible calls the angelic conflict. The angelic conflict. I don't know how many of us have heard of that before or studied it. The angelic conflict in the heavenly places. The Bible talks about it. Did you realize that? But we don't talk about it a lot. So I'd like to just briefly try to summarize a little bit of what I understand about that, which is not everything for sure. But, it, but you will be able to sort of just track with me about it. If you're taking notes, some of this is in your notes. You can follow along and jot these things down. You might be interested. But I'd like to make seven observations, summary of the angelic conflict in the heavenly places. Does that make sense? So number one, let me just, this will be brief. Every believer, the Bible teaches every believer has three enemies. You know what they are, right? Our three enemies as Christians, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The Bible teaches this. So when any time we talk about the devil, devil, we know that there's a lot of people who don't believe in the devil, don't believe that Satan is real. And I always like to say this. I know you've heard it before, but, you know, somebody asked Billy Graham that one time. He said, Billy, uh, do you believe that the devil is real, that there's a personal devil? And he said, I sure do. And, he, and the guy said, how do you know? And he said, because I've met him. Have you met the devil? Have you met him? Or one of his forces? So that's, that's one thing there. We're talking about the angelic conflict. So secondly, the Bible teaches that behind the scenes in the world, behind the scenes, there is a powerful, invisible conflict in heaven going on right now, today. 
right now. That's what the Bible teaches. Then, then thirdly, the Bible tells us that Satan, who was God's top angel at the beginning, his name was Lucifer back then, now it's Satan, but at the beginning, he was his top angel. He rebelled against God, and he became the first revolutionary. And if you want to study that, there's a couple passages you can look at Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. It talks about how Satan rebelled against God and fell out of the presence of God. But that's not all. The Bible goes on to tell us that when that happened, that Satan persuaded one-third of all the angels to join him to fight against God. Check out Revelation 12 and verse 4 if you're interested in that. Now, this force of evil angels that join Satan, the Bible has various names for. They're called, as you are aware, they're called demons. They are called wicked spirits, sometimes unclean spirits, you know, and things like that. How many are there? We have no idea. I mean, how many angels are there? We have no idea, but there are myriads of them. Probably some personally assigned to each of us, which is a scary thought. <laughs> Then the Bible also tells us that the angelic conflict is the unseen conflict in which the forces of Satan are warring against the forces of God. Revelation 12 is a good one to study for that. It is going on in the heavenly places today. So there are three levels of heaven. The heavens with the sun and the stars, that's the one. The highest heaven is where God lives. But then there's a middle heaven. So that's where the conflict is. It's in the middle heaven. It's in the middle third. The spiritual conflict. And it's going on today. So uh, is this making sense? So praise God though. This can all be really depressing. But the Bible goes on and it tells us of course. That Jesus Christ has won our victory. By his death, burial and resurrection from the dead. And he has ascended into heaven. And, and there are so many great verses that we could look at on that. But uh, one of the best ones that, that I love is Colossians 2. And in verse 15, listen to what it says here. And having disarmed the powers and authorities. It's talking about Jesus. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the answer to that. And, and then the final part of this little summary is this. And this is where we come in because the Bible says that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I share, we share in the authority of Jesus Christ over Satan. It's not our authority, it's his, but we share it. And we get to use it against the devil in our lives. So anybody say amen to all that? Great thing. Authority is what? Authority means I have the right to control something. I have the power to overrule something, to, uh, to overcome something. Amen? That's authority. And that's what Jesus has, and that's what he has given to you and to me. And so that's how God's work is hindered today. So I don't know if this makes sense or not. Let's look at a specific example of what we're talking about from the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bibles, turn back to Daniel 
Turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. Can you find Daniel? Is it in your Bible? (laughs) We hope so. (laughs) Daniel chapter 10. And we're just going to look at a few verses in this section. This is a specific, excuse me, specific example of what we've been talking about with this angelic conflict. Right? Make sense? Daniel 10, beginning at verse 1. Let me read a few of that. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, and and so Daniel now gives his his side of it, his story. Verse 2, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, no wine, touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the entire three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of finest gold around his waist. And his body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Wow, that's pretty dramatic, dramatic isn't it? Uh, so he prayed. So here, what do we see here? This, in the book of Daniel, this is Daniel's final vision recorded there that God gave him. It's the final one, this last one. And it's a vision about Israel and the great conflict that is coming in the future. It was in the future then, it's still in the future today. Still hasn't happened yet. And Daniel got the vision and he cared so much and it bothered him so much. And he prayed intensely so much. He prayed for three weeks. God, would you show me the meaning of this vision? It wasn't not just a you know, casual little prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You know, I used to pray that prayer. <laughs> this is a really serious prayer, right? And so the Bible tells us then somebody came from God to him. Now, some people think that it was Jesus, but I think most people say that that was an angel, that the individual that came was an angel of God. And that's because of the verses that follow make that pretty clear in my mind. We don't know the name of the angel that came. And again, a lot of people think that it's Gabriel because we find Gabriel showing up later on. But we don't, we really don't know the name of that person. But this angel came to him after how long? Three weeks. So, so let's remember that. Now let's jump down to verse 12 for a minute. It goes on there. And it says in verse 12, then he continued, this man talking to him, this person, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. 
Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Do we see what's happening here? Here comes this guy. We think it's an angel. And he's telling him, hey, when you first started praying three weeks ago, guess what? Your prayer was heard. Your prayer was heard at the throne of God. God heard it and he sent an answer. And, and I was that answer, this, this angel saying. I was the answer. But it took me three weeks to get here. You know why? Because on the way, there was a battle going on in heaven. And I was being attacked by the prince or the king of Persia talking about an spiritual battle with a spiritual enemy of God, some angel over Persia, and the battle went on for three weeks. And then finally, Michael, who the Bible indicates to us is the angel over Israel, he came and helped me. And together we, we did it. And here I am. Here I am, Daniel. I'm here to tell you the answer to your prayers. And it took three weeks. So this is an amazing thing, isn't it? And the, but the most amazing thing to me is, is this, that he tells him the answer to it, and we have that all spelled out in chapter 11. But he tells him the answer to it. But notice in verse 20 what he says. He said, so he said, do you know why I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece is going to come. But first, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. Isn't that amazing? See, he's saying, I'm going to tell you this, Daniel, but I've got to go back. And I'll tell you, when I go back, I'm going back into the battle again. This battle is still going on. And I'm going to fight some more. So I, I don't know what you think about all this. You might think that this is really you know, beyond belief, and maybe it is for some people. But this is what the Bible teaches. And, and that adversary was, that fought against him was probably a demon of high rank assigned by Satan to Persia. And the mission of those people, those angels, is to hinder the work of God, to hinder it. So, I hope that as followers of Christ, we do not underestimate the enemy of our soul. Could it be that some of our prayers are not yet answered this very day because of a reason like this? Is it possible that God included this mysterious section in his word to just give us a tiny, tiny glimpse of what's going on backstage right now? Do you believe that God is being hindered or trying to be hindered by Satan in his plan for your life and mine. Well, a lot of us do, right? We believe that. I really appreciate Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley is with the Lord now. And, uh, but he shares very honestly of a time in his life. He said, there was a time in my life when every time I knelt down to pray, I fell asleep. Regardless of how much sleep I had, I couldn't stay awake when I prayed. I did everything I, need, I knew to do, but nothing helped. I had no problem studying. I couldn't pray 10 minutes without falling asleep. I struggled with this, he says, I struggled with this for about a year until the Lord revealed the problem to me. Satan would rather that I would preach or study than pray. Satan would rather that I would do anything in my life other than pray. And so to hinder me, 
he attacked me with a spirit of slumber. When I realized this, I asked God to tear down this stronghold of slumber and replace it with a spirit of alertness. And when I did that, the problem immediately disappeared. The joy of my prayer life was revived. The struggle with slumber ceased. And once again, I entered in to the heat of the battle. Wow. Has that happened to any of us? Samuel Chadwick wrote, The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom. But he trembles when we pray. Amen? He trembles when I pray. And so... There is a hindrance going on. So what can we do? <laughs> you know, what do we do about this if, if this is the case? Well, we praise God today because we have a weapon that we can use in this warfare that God has given. And we want to look at that again here. And this is a, it's a secret weapon, but it's not secret to us because we have the Bible <laughs> and we know what's in there. But it's secret to other people as well. How believers have a secret weapon. That takes us now back to the verse that we started with this morning in John 14. And it's the verse about Jesus, remember? And Jesus is getting ready to leave his, his men and women. And uh, he's saying to them, I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may be in glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will what? Do it. Do it. Fantastic. Do it. He will really do it. So... Uh, you know, we've been studying John, right, in the past, and Jesus is getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to die and be raised. You know, he's going to leave, leave earth. He's going to go to heaven. He's going to sit down up there, <laughs> not to rest, but to rule, you know, but he, he's leaving. Uh, but he's not leaving his disciples. He's leaving earth, but he's not leaving his disciples. And he's telling them this promise here. In fact, his leaving increases his power and their power because prayer removes all sense of direction and distance. And we have the power of prayer. Don't you love it? One commentator said it this way. He said, faith in his person was now to be manifested by prayer in his name, in Jesus' name. So what is our secret weapon? It is the name of Jesus. Wow. We've heard that before, right? It's the name of Jesus. Just ask Grandma Rice. <laughs> Jesus. So if I understand this, you know, what will I do as an expression of my faith and praise for this privilege of prayer to God? Well, one of the things, of course, that I can do and should do is I can pray in the name of Jesus. I can ask him for anything. Anything in his will, obviously, is what he's talking about. Anything in his will, anything for his glory, I can ask him. So does this make sense? I know you know this, right? I, I know it too, so. But what does that matter, right? <laughs> we know in the Bible that names are really important, especially in the Old Testament. The name of a person and the person themselves are bound together. Even non-believers believe that back in the, those days. In the papyri, you can see written down belief 
that they had belief in power and effectiveness of certain names of gods and their demons. The name was there. Isn't it interesting how many times in the Old Testament when God would do something, he did this and he did this and he did this and then he said, why am I doing this? So that they'll remember my name. Remember my name. Wow. When Jesus was asked, how should we pray? Remember the model prayer he gave us? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Wow. Even today, you know, we, we, some, we can joke about it. if you have a, you know, a little girl and you're trying to figure out a name, I mean, and you have the idea, well, maybe Gertrude or maybe Rebecca. <laughs> uh, I had a good friend for a long time uh, whose nickname was Bud, and he, he, that was his name. I mean, that's all I knew him by. I, one day I got brave and I asked him, why, do you, why, do you, why don't you use your real name? And he said, because I hate it. We called him Bud. In Africa, a lot of the parents name their children things like faith, peace, joy. It's really, really interesting. Names. So names are always really important, aren't they? So listen to this. This is what God says, and you've heard it. Jesus Christ's name is the most important name in all the universe. Anybody say amen? amen. The most important no contest at all. Nothing even close to it. The name of Jesus Christ. So hallelujah. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me, to him. So, you know, uh, Paul prayed about this many times with the, in the New Testament in the church at Ephesus, for example, and I, I love this passage. He's praying for the church there, but he's like praying for us too. But notice what he's praying. He's praying for the believers. And, and in this one passage in chapter one, he says, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you might know the hope to your calling, the hope that you're called to. Secondly, that you might know the riches of the glory of your inheritance, God's inheritance in you in the saints. And then here's the third one. I'm praying that you might know his incomparable great power for us who believe. And then he tells us this. This power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now listen to the next verse. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Praise God. Everybody say amen. Amen. Someone said one time, Jesus is large and in charge. <laughs> and I am small and in awe. <laughs> I like that. Can we see how special our secret weapon is if we're a child of God? It is by the name of Jesus that people receive eternal life. It's by the name of Jesus that beggars can be healed. It's by the name of Jesus that demons can be driven out. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing more precious or more powerful that you and I possess than the ability that God has given us to pray in the name of Jesus. Do I get an amen on that? Feel free to say amen. That's okay. Suppose you're in your house one night 
fast asleep in the middle of the night, you hear this loud knocking at the door. And you hear this voice crying out, open this door at once. This is Joe Nice Guy. Let me in. What would you do? (laughs) On the other hand, what if you hear this knocking at the door? Open this door at once. This is the police. Open in the name of the Lord. What would you do? The authority of Jesus is the one that unlocks all things. The name of Jesus opens the door into God's presence and gives you and me the right to be heard by God. Hallelujah, right? And that is our secret weapon. So praise God. So now, what will you do with it? What will I do with it? You think I should use it or not? What right do I have to ask God for anything? And you too. I don't. Unless it's in Jesus Christ. Amen? So that brings us to the last part of this, is how you and I can pray with authority. And that brings us to the second verse that we began with today. You remember it? That the one from Hebrews, once again, is just really a follow-up to everything that we've been talking about. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence or boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Three things that you and I should do. Three things. Number one, you should trust Christ alone for eternal life. Have you done that yet? You should do it if you haven't. Does God answer the prayer of unbelievers? I don't know. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But if I were you, I wouldn't count on it. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, does God answer your prayers? The Bible says yes. Yes. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And this is what God is wanting us to know. I know that this is very common knowledge to most of us here. I read this story about Dwight Moody and there was a man who told him of how he came to Christ. He said, one night when my wife was at prayer meeting, I began to go very uneasy and miserable and I I didn't know what the matter was but I couldn't get over it and I went to bed early and my wife came home later and couldn't sleep all night. I got up early, I told my wife I wasn't hungry for breakfast and he went to work. Went into my office, closed the door, told everybody else to leave. I was getting more and more miserable and finally I got down and I asked God to forgive my sins but I would not say for Jesus' sake because I didn't believe in that, he said. And so I just kept praying that morning, God, please forgive my sins, forgive my sins. But no answer came. And finally, I couldn't stand it any longer. And in desperation, I cried out, oh God, for Jesus' sake, please forgive my sins. And he says, and I found peace at last and right away. You see, it's for Jesus' sake. It's in the name of Jesus Christ in Christ alone, that there is eternal life and peace with God. Amen? Do we believe it? Do we believe it? I hope. I hope we do. So that's, that's one thing that we should do, right? Now, I know, again, I know, I don't know all of you personally, but I know some of you, 
And, and I know most of us, a lot of us have done that. But that's not the end of it, is it? Because there's another second thing that we should do, and that's this. If you're already a Christian, if you're a believer, you should trust Christ alone for all of the blessings that we get from God. Now, this is, a little, this is a little bit harder, I think. What do I mean? It means this. This is my understanding. We have no claims on God in ourselves. We, don't, we have no claim on God. God owes me nothing that's good. He owes me nothing. And we deserve nothing good from God. Anything that we have, a blessing is by the grace of God. It comes in Jesus Christ. Amen? So you might be sitting there thinking, well, doesn't obedience to God count? I mean, isn't that important? What are you saying up there, Dave? <laughs> You're going to fire me because, you know, this might be my last Sunday doing this. You know, <laughs> we're not saying that obedience doesn't count, right? So to me, here's the difference. There's a difference between a thing being a channel and a thing being a cause, following a channel or a condition versus a cause. So obedience is a channel. When I'm obedient to God and walking with Christ, blessings flow through that channel. But it's not the cause of that, my obedience. The cause is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? So is this making sense? So if I had my car key here and I'm going to go home, I'm going to get in my car, I'm going to, I have a key. Isn't that nice? And it goes into the ignition. I'm going to turn it on. Hopefully it'll start. <laughs> you know, and I'll say goodbye. Uh, I'll see you later. So my key is a condition for me driving that car home. But it's not the cause, is it? The cause is that power under the hood in the engine. There's a difference between a cause and a channel. So we're not saying that it doesn't matter whether we obey God as Christians. We're not saying that. We're just saying that even at that, even at that best, the real cause behind it all is the grace of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Does this make sense? So we pray, Lord, please do this thing in me, in my life, not for any good that's in me, but do this thing for Jesus' sake. And that's what works. So you may want to think about that and study it more yourself, but I think that it's important. So all of that leads us, I think, to this point here. You should trust Christ alone for your salvation. Secondly, you should trust Christ alone for all the blessings in your life. And thirdly, you should be bold in your praying. Anybody say amen? amen. Bold. Bold, right? So we're not talking about being prideful, but faithful. We're not talking necessarily about being loud, but strong. We're not talking about being wimpy and beaten when we pray, but being confident and secure. You see, God is not a terrifying dictator, is he? If you are in Christ, God wants to be your closest friend. 
Jesus wants to be my closest friend. I like Oswald Chambers also, and he, and he said one time, and, and we think about this in our boldness and our prayer, he said, what would reckless belief cause me to do today? How bold am I in my praying? Another person said, here we are as Christians and we're praying for toys. We're asking God for toys when we should be asking God for continents. Wow, that's boldness. And it's in Jesus' name. So praise God today. We have a freedom to come before God. Hebrews 4 tells us we can come before God unhindered. We can come without shame. We can come without fear. And we can come without reservation when we come in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, right? Are we praying boldly in the name of Jesus? Amen and amen. Is this making sense? Oh, there's a lot of stories. I I read another one that was so good about a missionary conference they were having. And they had missionaries from all the world there. And there was one missionary from Burma who wanted to come but couldn't make it. And and the people that were there, they were gathered and they were praying. And uh, he tried for a year to get permission to leave the country. And he just couldn't get his visa to be accepted. And on the first night of the conference, they were talking about it in this conference. And one missionary stood up and he said, referred to their friend, and he said, I just believe he should be here with us. And so he said, let me pray. And this missionary stood up and he started praying. And he began praying. And he, the first thing he did was he bound, he bound Satan. That's a whole nother study. Then he asked that God would change the minds of the officials who were in charge of issuing the visas. He prayed for about 20 minutes, and then he sat down. And they went on with their meeting, but about an hour and a half later, this woman came out running from the kitchen into the room to announce that someone had just called from Burma and said that their friend had just received permission to leave the country and come to the conference. Now, is there any connection between those two things? (laughs) Isn't that amazing to me? It's in Jesus' name. There is a boldness. If it's God's will, right? And I believe that this is what in my life I need. (laughs) I don't know where you are. We believe here at our church, many churches, prayer is a real thing, right? It it really is. But I'm just honest with you. I'm just like you. I can struggle with prayer. I mean, at this point in my life, and I'm up here talking about this, you know, I can struggle with this just like you do. But when when I struggle... And it doesn't work out. It's not because of God. It's because of me. The weaknesses are in me. They're never in God. And so I have to make a decision while I'm struggling and learning these things and doing these things. I'm not going to quit. Quitters never win. And we're in this thing and we're in it until the end, right? And God is gracious in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Isn't that neat? So I don't know if when you pray, if you like to say in Jesus' name at the end. <laughs> I do. You don't have to, but I, I do. But if you do, the next time you pray in Jesus' name, don't just say it. Feel it. And don't just feel it. Live it. I thank you, God, that I have a weapon. I thank you, Jesus, alone for my salvation. I thank you, Jesus, alone for all the blessings in my life. And I'm praying boldly in your name, Lord Jesus.
And we say hallelujah for that, right? I have one last story. I have to, I have to close with this. Uh, there's a lot, we're blessed today, you know, because there's a lot of good speakers uh, on TV and on radio, Christian speakers. There's a lot of weirdos too, but, <laughs> right? <laughs> but there are some good ones. <laughs> and uh, one of the ones that I like is Alistair Begg. And uh, he, he gave a message a while back. Somebody shared a little bit with me. And it just got me. I mean, it just got my heart. And, and so I'm paraphrasing. I'm just condensing it and paraphrasing. But I want to share a little bit, a small part of his message on that. And it has to do with this, that one day, over, uh, over 2,000 years ago, on a hill, Calvary, three men were crucified. Three men. Two thieves and Jesus. Jesus in the middle, on each side, a thief, right? You remember the story. One of those thieves had faith in Jesus Christ and made it to heaven. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. The other one did not. That's the background of the story. And it goes something like this. He says, without the preaching of the cross to ourselves, all day and every day, we'll be very, very quickly reverting to faith plus works as the ground for our salvation. And there's an old question. He's right. I'm paraphrasing him a little bit and adding my little take on it. There's an old question that we ask ourselves. If you were to die tonight and stand before God in heaven, an angel was there and says, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? That's a good question for us. And when we answer that question, if we begin to answer it by saying something about ourselves, like I, 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 I did this, I believed, I did this, I, 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 you've got it entirely wrong. Because the correct answer is not I, but he. Because he did this. Because he did this. Because he is this. And he is that. So I, again, this is Alistair Big. So it reminds me, he says, of that day on the cross when the three men were there and the one thief made it to heaven. Think about that thief on the cross. What an immense event that was for him that day. He says, I can't wait to find that fellow one day in heaven and ask him, how did that shake out with you that day? <laughs> because you were just cussing that guy out a few minutes before this. <laughs> and now you're in heaven. You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You didn't know a thing about church membership. And yet, yet, somehow you made it. You made it. How did you make it? How did you make it? And that's what the angel, as Alistair is saying, that's what the angel must have asked him when he showed up there at the gate of the door. You know, what are you doing here? And the thief says, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Because I don't know. Well, you know, uh, you, you should know, excuse me, let me go get my supervisor angel and let him come and talk to you. And so he does and Sir, I have a few questions for you. First of all, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? I never heard of it in my life. The angel says, well, what about let's just move on to the doctrine of the inspiration of Scripture. He said, what's that? I've never, I've never heard of that. And, and the angel was just getting frustrated. He said, well, why are you here? And his answer came very clearly. He said, I don't know, but the man in the middle said I could come. And that's why I'm here. 
You see, that's the exact right answer. The man in the middle said we could come. And one day you and I are going to die. We're going to stand before God. This is a hypothetical question. But if the angel comes and says, why should I let you into heaven? What will your answer be and what will mine be? I hope that it will be something like that. I'm here. I'm here. Because the man in the middle said I could come. Hallelujah. And that's why I'm here today. You see, that's the name of Jesus. That's what it means. And if that's true on how we can get to heaven and have eternal life, then the next step is to realize that in this life while we're here, how can we pray with boldness? And the answer is this. It's because the man in the middle said that I could. And that settles it. Amen Amen. and amen. So God bless you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for uh, these brothers and sisters in Christ today. God, we want to, uh, this is an interesting topic, Lord, and we need you to really teach us. But Father, we want to take a moment right now and thank you for your angels. And we summon them in the authority of Jesus Christ and we ask and release them in your will to war for us in our household. May they guard us at all times. We thank you for those people around us, Lord, that you've sent who pray for us. And we just confess to you, Lord, we need their prayers. And we ask you to send forth your spirit and rouse them up and unite them and raise up the full canopy of prayer and intercession for each one of us. And by faith, we call forth the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ this day to reign in our homes, in our families, in our lives, and in our domain. And most of all, Lord, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, with all glory and honor and thanks to him. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.